president's family, you know, when he's at home, he's just, he's just the president, you know, he's just dad. You know, he's not the president. And sometimes we get so used to God uh, being around that, you know, we, we lose the awesome uh, reverence that we should have in his presence. Amen. And so as we come together today, let's remember that we're worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're, we're worshiping the one that spoke everything into existence. We are just created beings, created in his image. Amen. And let us remember the, the awesomeness and the greatness of the one that we are worshiping. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the King. Come on. Let's, let's praise the Lord this morning. Amen. I know we're having bad weather and a lot of people are not able to be here, but we're here. Amen. Let, let's, let us be here, not just exist here. Amen. And I want to praise the, praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why? Because he saved my soul. Amen. He washed me in his blood. He made me into a new created being. Amen. I'm not the man that I used to be. Amen. I've been washed in the blood. Hallelujah. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm something new. And I have something to shout about this morning. Praise God.
you just lift your hands to our God. God, we bless your name. Oh, Jesus, we lift you up. We give you glory and we give you praise and we give you honor. Right now in this sacred space, God, this is your place. Can, you, can my intercessors just begin to cry out to God and begin to bless him all over the building? Lord, we bless your name. Right now, we thank you for your presence and your Shekinah in this place, God. Oh, we thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place and how you will move, God. And even though it's snowy outside, the presence and the warmth of your Holy Ghost are on the inside of this building and we give you glory and we give you praise and thanks in the name of Jesus. Begin to worship him in the place. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, O oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless the name of Jesus. Can you just lift your hands and give a glory?
take time to say thank you to the God of heaven, to our Creator. Lord, we lift you up. We lift your name on high in this place. Lord, I pray that there be somebody in this room that needs a feel of God, that you would touch in the name of Jesus. If there be some online and there are that need a touch, God, you would touch them in the name of Jesus. We thank you right now for what you're doing in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way. There is a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. Thank you, Spirit of God. Oh, God, we thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. Lord, we open up our hearts and our minds to hear your word. Reveal to us what you would like to see revealed this day in the name of Jesus, God. Move our agendas and our mindsets and our thought processes out of the way, God, and you, Lord God, you do those things for us which we cannot do for ourselves. Enlighten us. Give us the power of your words. Open our hearts and our minds to hear your word. And we'll be careful to give you the praise in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise in the building. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It is so great to be among the saints today. Thank you so much. We're so grateful for all of you, my father's children. Why don't you give God a hand and give our online viewers a hand as well? God is doing some great things. I would be remiss if I didn't take the time to stop and thank each and every one of you who have participated yesterday in the home going of Brother Ronnie uh, Whitehill. That was an amazing time. God, there was a blessing from the Lord uh, to see it. We didn't have a seat. We were actually debating on pulling out extra chairs. We had so many people up here, and uh, we had seven rows of cars in the parking lot out there. And so we're, we're so grateful. There was parking on the grass and everywhere. Uh, we're so grateful for what God is doing in the building. I want to thank all of you, my father's children. I also want to thank all of you who braved the sleet and the snow, and you came anyway. Uh, you look for an excuse to praise God. I, I, I thank God for that. Thank you for that. Thanks to our men this morning. Give our men a hand. It's good. They're getting up early and they're coming to learn about God. They're getting up early and they're coming to get in his presence. And it's early and it's going to stay early and early on the purpose. I told them this morning, it's early because it should cost you something. And nothing, in a, nothing for a man should be given nor handed to him. But it should be a sacrifice for him to have to come and to get it for men will be able to, to conquer and have dominion. Uh, so we, we don't look for the easy route as men. We look for uh, for the challenge that's, abo that's above, and our men are meeting the challenge. And I want to say thank you to those who are showing up. Special shout-out to Pastor Ernie. I believe Pastor Ernie lives the farthest, but he shows up first every single time. And uh, give Pastor Ernie <laughs> a hand. Um, I, I know uh, uh, Brother Rodney, Pastor Rodney lives a ways out, too. Uh, and he made it, and he was going back to get his wife. His wife uh, was already on the way to church. I told you, when men leave, women will follow. You know, <laughs> he didn't have to come back to get it. And she's saying amen there. Thank you for all that you do for the body of Christ. Today we're talking in our series. What is our series today? Authentic Church. We're talking about the authentic church. Thank you for, to all those who are downstairs. We've opened up a children's church downstairs, and they are running it. Thank you to the media department who we've got two sets of media now. We now have enough people. Somebody's running up here. Somebody's running down there. The kids get their own worship in their own time uh, to be able to worship God in their own way. Give a hand clap for that. <laughs> Starting at 
the book of John, chapter 13. John, chapter 13, starting at verse 31. John, chapter 13, starting at verse 31. This is the word of the Lord. Give me one moment. Give me one moment. I think I chose one of the wrong scriptures, and I don't want you to read the wrong scriptures. Aren't you glad for technology? <laughs> it's 1331. That's just a different version than I put on my, my, my book, so I read the two Bibles. Let's, let's see it. What does it say? So when he had gone out, Jesus said, the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, so when he, there we go. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify himself, him in himself, and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you should also love one another. One last, 1335, what did it say? They're working on it, that's okay. Because this is where we're going to stop today, I want us to have it, there we go. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I want to talk to you this morning about the topic, authentic love, authentic love. You may be seated in the presence of God. Brother Rodney, I told you you were going to smile. <laughs> Brother Rodney began to quote those scriptures this morning in the middle of the men's meeting. And uh, as God was dealing with some things with him, and I said, you're going to smile when we get in about 30 or 45 minutes to the regular service. <laughs> Brothers and sisters. We've been talking about what it means to be the authentic church. What is that word authentic? The word authentic, if you have not heard me say it before, you will hear me say it several times. It means of undisputable origin. It means that if something is authentic, that its origin cannot be disputed. It needs to be authenticated. And I, I, my mind this morning goes to a television show that I watch sometimes about a pawn shop. And this guy, he owns a pawn shop, and his son and some other people, they work with him. And when they come in, a lot of times people bring in artifacts, and they say, I'd like to trade my artifact for some money. I'd like to sell it. And he'll ask, where does it come from? And they will tell him, this is where it came from, and this is why it's worth the value that it has. And many times he will tell them that it's worth something or not, but every now and then, he needs to go get an expert to come in that is an expert on that subject matter, and they will begin to authenticate whether what has been presented is real or not. But it often helps every now and then, Brother Dave, somebody walks in, and alongside of the artifact that they have, they have a certificate, and it is called a certificate of authenticity or authentication. And what that certificate means is that there has been somebody that has ratified and certified the fact that this thing that says that it belongs to this genre is what it says it is. 
In other words, you can talk all day long, but somebody has to verify that you are who you say you are, that the item is what it says it is. And this morning, as we talk about some of the things that we've talked about, about authentic worship and all the ways that the church can be authentified, identified, there is something that strikes my mind. How in a day where you have so many things being preached, how in a day when you have self-help being preached across the pulpit, how in a day when you have new age teaching preached across the pulpit, how can you authenticate the real church? What is our stamp of authenticity? What is our authentication that says that we are real? And I am drawn this morning to to, uh, this passage of scripture because Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. Why is this important? Because I've often seen people in the final stages of their life when somebody's been told that they have a terminal illness, you will notice that their behavior begins to change. They begin to bring people to them and they begin to make amends and they begin to say things that, that they normally wouldn't say and people who are stoic and unexpressive will start to tell people that they love them. Why? Because they realize that they don't have much time left. They don't have time for foolishness. They don't have time for arguments. They don't have time for strife. Whatever comes out of their mouth, since they are keenly aware that the time they have on this earth is coming short, they only use the precious time they have left to say what's most important to them. And here we have Jesus in this scripture, and we have Jesus beginning to talk to his disciples, and he begins to show them some things. Sometimes Jesus gives a a sermon and word pictures, and the Bible says that Jesus in chapter 13 comes into the supper, and Jesus doesn't come with pomp and circumstance. He doesn't come uh, looking like a king. He doesn't come looking like the boss. But the Bible says Jesus comes in, and he begins to preach with his actions. The Bible says that he takes off his his coat and and he picks up a bowl that only the slaves use. For the slaves hold bowls that can wash the guests' feet and their hands because the feet are filthy and the feet are nasty. And there are, although we're in Rome and Roman provinces, there is not indoor toiletry everywhere. And, And so that's a nasty thing to want to wash somebody's feet. But you have to be washed to be made clean. And before they get ready to to take up this last supper, to take up the Eucharist, Jesus takes off his coat and he lays down at their feet and he begins to wash their feet. He begins to serve them and give a visible picture of how the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And he begins to wash their dirty, grimy feet. And it's giving us a word picture because the Bible talks of God who being in the form of God, in the name and person of Jesus Christ, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he came down and lowered himself and came in the way of a servant. And so our mind should be the same. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he stoops down and he washes the disciples' feet. And as he begins to wash their feet, Peter says, Lord, you would never wash my feet. 
I remember I didn't really truly get this scripture in two. One day we were celebrating a foot washing and I was I was I, I was young in the ministry and we had an over, overseer, a bishop that came in and, and he came in and he was his name was Wayne Hall. He was a great guy. He's still alive. He's retired now. And he came and we were doing a foot washing ceremony, Brother Widener, and he came in and he tried to wash my feet and I immediately stopped him. And I said, Bishop, you can't wash my feet. You're the bishop. And he looked back up to me and smiled and said, Willie, that's kind of the point. And it really struck me how we put people in positions and thoughts of authority. And even subconsciously, we decide that certain people are too good to do certain things. But what Jesus is saying, if you're going to be first in my kingdom, you can never be too good to serve. That those of you who will become first must first become a servant. And then Jesus does something peculiar. He sends Judas out uh, from among them. He sends Judas out. He begins to tell them that one of you will betray me. And, 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 and he knows who it is. And so he sends the betrayer out. And he sends him out to do what he needs to do. Why did he let Judas stay before? He says what he said because Judas is not from him. And Judas doesn't need to hear what he has to say. <laughs> he sends Judas out to handle his business and now that everybody who is not on the same like mine is out of the way, he says, now I have something important to say to those who are really my followers. He looks to them, and I like one translation that I, uh, that I pulled up. It said, 31, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, sometimes God is not speaking to us because we got the wrong people in our life. Sometimes we can't hear God because we hear somebody else's voice in our life. And God wants to speak to us, and he has something important he wants to say to us, but we have other people, other friends, other genders, other mindsets in the way, and God is not speaking to us until Judas leaves. He'll give you some information. He'd watch all of their feet to show the humility, but he did not release this specific information until he realized Judas was out of the room. And when Judas had left, he began to tell them, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. And if God is glorified in him, he will also glorify the Son in himself and glorify himself all at once. And so now he tells them, I need you to listen to me. That's why he says, little children, I am with you only a little while longer. In other words, listen up. I won't repeat myself. You need to get this. This is important. I removed all distractions. And I even removed the person who's fake that doesn't know I know they're fake. But I've been keeping them close to me. And I've been keeping them close so I can keep a watch on them. So it's time for him to do what he's doing. And I'm going to let him go. He's going to miss out on the true blessing. He's walked with me for all of these years. And he still missed out on the truth. I say to people, I say to pastors all over America, stop being discouraged when people don't do what you preach. Stop being discouraged when people leave your ministry. Stop being, a, being, a, uh, being, being down when people say they can find better preachers on the TV. Because Judas had the best pastor in the world, God himself. Judas had the best teacher in the world, God himself. Judas had the best leader and rabbi in the world, and he still chose to do what Judas was going to do. 
It doesn't matter how good a teacher you are. It doesn't matter how good a preacher you are. It sits in the hearts of men. People are going to do what they want to do, but I want to encourage a pastor that's listening to me today. I'm going to take a side note to tell you, preach the word anyway. Preach it whether you have 500 or whether you have five. Be instant in season and out of season. Don't be discouraged when people walk away. Don't be discouraged when people don't show up. They are just merely showing you that they don't have a certificate of authenticity. They look like the church and they act like the church, but everybody who looks like the church is not the church. When I was young, Brother Bob, they used to sing this song that says, I got shoes, you got shoes, all of God's children got shoes to wear. When I get to heaven, I'm going to put on my shoes, I'm going to walk around God's heaven. But the hook to that song says, heaven, everybody talking about heaven. <laughs> Ain't going there. <laughs> everybody that says that they are the church is not the church. So he says, listen up. I won't be with you long. I will only be with you a little while longer. Look, you will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you where I am going, I'm going to the Father. You cannot come. So if you're going to listen, now's the time. I've come to tell you, you may never hear this again. So now's the time to listen to this. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. And as we study the, the authentic church being the authentic church, it's vital that we peruse these passages where Jesus is about to reveal how you authenticate the church. How you authenticate a real Christian. How you authenticate a true follower of Jesus Christ. He's about to give his certificate of authenticity. That's important for us to listen. Pastor, I want to know. I want to know if I'm in the church. Well, listen up. Pay close attention. Come to me now because I want you to hear this. In an age where there are so many things out there that look like faith, but they're not really faith, I pulled a quote from a book called Reckless Faith by John MacArthur where he says this when he's talking about counterfeits. He says, federal agents don't learn to spot counterfeit money by studying the counterfeits. They study genuine bills until they master the look of the real thing. Then they see the bogus money when they recognize it. Unfortunately, there are many people out that we have such a plethora of a variety for churches out there now, and we see so many things and so many ideologies. It's hard for many to determine what the real church is, but I'm going to give you how to spot the real church. Jesus says it, and I'm going to get to it in a second, but I want to stop at the word, a new commandment. Everybody say a new commandment. Now, this is important because God has already given commandments. In the old covenant, we, we had in Exodus chapter 20, I am the Lord thy God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. I, you shall have no other gods before me. You honor thy mother and thy father. All of those types of things that God had given for the law, and they were supposed to try to live their life by that law, but they could not, and he knew they could not. He wanted that law to be a schoolmaster to point to himself. It was built 
in law. It was built in the righteousness and the holiness of God, which mankind by himself could not achieve nor attain. But this time, Jesus says, now I am getting ready to go into communion. We just had communion last Sunday. And what we're seeing is Jesus beginning to ratify an agreement. He says this, I am about to do something new. You need to pay attention. And he said, this time, a new commandment I give to you. A new testament I give to you. <laughs> and he says that I want you to love one another as I have loved you. I want you to see this because in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40, it says this. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced they heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. They gathered together. They were trying to get together on Jesus. Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. They tried to trap him, and it wouldn't work. So the Pharisees came together, and they came to trap Jesus. They thought they were smart enough in their religion to trap Jesus. They said they gathered together, and then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. Notice they said they gathered together. It took all of them to gather together to find one question to ask Jesus. They got together to prove that, that he wasn't who he said he was and that, that, the, that what he was trying to do wasn't better than their religion. And then they said, teacher, being facetious, because, you know, they didn't really think he was a teacher. Matter of fact, they had their schooling and their seminary or their type of seminary of the day. They didn't really think Jesus had anything to teach him, so they were going to show him a thing or two. So they said in condescension, teacher, huh. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus looks at him and he says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and, and all your mind, and that you should love your neighbor as yourself. That's where that scripture comes from. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these hang all the law and the prophets. And I looked at that word. We're going to do some words. That I looked at the word heart. And that word heart uh, that Jesus says is not what's beating in your chest. That word in the Greek is cardia. It means your heart, your mind, your inner self, your inner character, your intention, and your will. Your whole intention in life should be built around blessing God. You should work where you work because you want to bring glory to God. You should go where you go because you want to be uh, closer to God. You should live your entire life closer to God. We talked about Brother Lunny this morning as we had his homegoing celebration. When you saw Brother Lunny, he was 74 years old and his leg had messed up a little bit. He wasn't fast. He wasn't, wasn't as powerful as he used to be when he was a young Marine, but this is something you knew about Brother Lunny. When his funeral came, I thought the floor was going to collapse. There were so many people in here. And everybody had the same testimony about him. No matter where he went, he wasn't scared to reach out and tell somebody about Jesus Christ, that his influence went far beyond what you saw on the outside, that his heart and his mind and his intent was to lead people to Jesus Christ. So he said, I need you to love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, your cardia. I need it to be on the side of you. I need it to be the essence of your being. I need everything else to emanate for, from it instead of it emanating from everything else. In other words, what does that look like, Pastor? That means I, pray, I put my prayer time in the middle and everything else goes around prayer. I don't have to find time to pray. I have to find that time to do everything else because nothing's going to stop me from connecting to God. I don't have to manage myself to when I get ready to give around, around certain things. Why? Because if I'm a steward of my finances, when I give 
give. I'm giving from the abundance of my heart, and nobody has to convince me to give because I'm not giving to get. I'm giving because I'm loving God with my whole heart, and I'm saying thank you for allowing me to be able to make money. Thank you that I'm not on the street. Thank you that I'm not destitute. Thank you that I have food on, on my table and clothes on my back. Thank you that I have my right mind. Thank you that I drove here in a car. Thank you that it's cold in Michigan, but I could afford a coat. And so I'm going to give to you from the abundance of my heart. When I show up on Sunday, I don't show up because I'm doing God a favor. I realized that for six days of the week, I got up and got ready to go to work. And if I'm retired, I got up and got ready to go wherever I'm going. And when I turned to put my feet on the floor, my feet were still there and I was still living. And he allowed me to put my feet on my floor. And although I had pains in my body, I was still alive so I could experience those pains one more time. Although I'm a little slower, I could still move and that he provided a job or at least a good retirement for me. And, and because he has done so, how dare I not show up at the house of God to give him glory and to give him praise and to give him honor? Because I love him with my whole heart. That's the problem with the church today. Because men especially, I'm going to get on men because we were in the, in the Bible study. Men treat church as an option. It's not an option. God doesn't treat your breathing as an option. And then we wonder when my kids get old why they don't follow God. Because church was optional to you. So it's unnecessary to them. When you love God with all your heart. It emanates from all of who you are. I'm not showing up to check a box so the pastor can say, I was here today. I'm showing up because, God, you've been so good to me. It's in my heart. I'm not raising my hands because the praise team said lift your hand. I'm lifting my hand because it's in the inside of me. And I love you. And when I think about how much I love you, I can't help but lift my hand. I can't help but open my mouth. Somebody said I can't open. I can't even sing. But he didn't say sing. It said make a joyful noise. I come to tell you, if noise is all you got and you can't hold a tune in a bucket, open up your mouth and give God praise. Hallelujah. I love God with all of my being. I love him with every part of who I am. You can tell the church because when they love God for, for with all their heart, you don't have to work for them. I don't look for Pastor Ernie. Only way I put, don't expect not to see Pastor Ernie is his car is broken. Why? Because Brother Ernie loves me? No, because Brother Ernie loves Jesus. Pastors come and go. I'll live and die, but God lasts forever. If you're going to serve in your church, don't serve for a man. I'm just human and flesh and blood. Serve it because it's in your heart. And you say, Lord, I love you so much, I can't stand to see things undone in your ministry, in your house, or in the world, that the kingdom can be built on top of your foundation if I just go out and do what you're calling me to do. And I can't help but do it because I love you so much. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, all thy strength. Lord Jesus.
He says, love one another as I have loved you. So you must all love one another. Ooh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Ooh, I could just stay all there. That word love is the word agapeo. We, get it, we call it agape. It means to love, to wish well, to take pleasure in, to long for. It don't the love of reason and esteem. But I like how they put it in one of my word studies. It says, actively doing what the Lord prefers. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I think I'll say that again. Actively doing what the Lord prefers. Amen. His preference over my preference. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's a discriminating uh, affection which involves choice and selection. In other words, I don't do this out of emotion. I do it because I make the cognitive choice to do it. I'm here because if you're in the building today, you're here because you chose to be, because you have plenty of reasons that you could have chose not to be. You could have said I worked all day, I'm tired. You could have said that it's sleeting outside. You could have said that it was cold outside. There were abundance of things and you could have said that we came to the funeral and something that happened to the step and, and we got a second step out there we got three sets of entrances into the building and they hadn't fixed that yet so I'm not I'm not I'm not going that's you could do that you could do all those things but you are here because you made a conscious choice to be here and to worship God that is agape do you not know that in the Greek there are five words for love and only there is only one that's not tied to an emotion why we have to be careful when we use the word love because you can say you love your dog and love your wife they're not the same you can say you love your brother and love your wife they're not the same you could there's an eros that's a passionate love that's the word where we get our word erotic from that's a passionate love that that young lovers feel for for each other and husbands feel for wives and there's philos the city of brotherly love phila delphia there are different types of love and then there's storge there's a love for a brother there but there's only one that's not tied to an emotion and it's agape because agape is unconditional the rest of them are love depending on what you do for me that's why people get divorced so much they fall out of love because they were just in arrows they were just you just liked it because you liked the you like that you like the coke bottle now the coke bottle is two liter and you don't like her anymore and you you just liked him because he was tall dark and handsome now he just tall and you don't like him no more You love people based off of what they do. But agape is tied not to the outside of what you can do for me. Agape is tied to the inside of what I can do for others. No emotion necessary. Everybody say no emotion necessary. Emotion will come with it if you if you just keep doing the right thing. Oh, oh goodness, well, this is going to be a couple of weeks to do this. We're not going to get through all this today, brother. Day. Love the Lord with all your heart. Then he says, with all your soul. I'm stopping there too. That word soul, suke, for where we get the word psychology from. That's where it is. It is the breath, the soul, the vital breath of human life. In other words, every fiber of your being should belong to God. You can have, you can have worship on the job site just like you can in the sanctuary. Because you love him with all of your soul. Hallelujah. Then he tells you not only to do that, but God doesn't want brainless Christians. He said, love him with all your heart, your soul, and your what? Mind. Oh, Jesus. 
For our intellectual brothers and sisters, I love intellectual preaching. I love preachers that can stimulate the intellect and, and make my mind work. And so I can see through my thinking the greatness and the glory and the deity of God revealed to God in creation. But this word is dianoia. I just butchered it, but that's what it is in the Greek. And it means the mind, the disposition, the thought, the understanding, the intellect, which means I spend time to not only read the word and pontificate upon it, I spend time to meditate upon it. And I sit there and I think about what this word is saying to me. In Psalms, they had a word for that. It was a musical interlude. It's called Selah. Anytime you see Selah in, in the Psalms, it means literally to pause and calmly think about what's been said. Not just to read it, write it to check a box. It's, it's literally that I want to think about it, the word. I want to, I want to, I want to meditate on it. Oh, hallelujah, with all my heart, with all my cardia. Everybody say cardia. I like this part of cardia, too. It says the effective center of our being, our desire producer that makes us tick. I'll tell you how to authenticate the church. What excites you? <laughs> I could tell you where your God is. Does Applebee's excite you more than church? I'm going to meddle now, Pastor. <laughs> Go Lions, but does the football game excite you more? Does TikTok and Facebook and Snapchat, do they excite you more? When you wake up, what's the first thing everybody grabs in the morning? Who said it? Somebody said it. The cell phone. And they pick it up and they turn to their Bible. Uh-oh. Or do they start turning to Facebook? Because that's what excites them. What gets you going? Does the word of God excite you? Does prayer and the word excite you? If not, maybe you should check your certificate of authenticity. Pastor, that sounds mean. Well, I'll give you the word. Examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. That's the word of God. Paul is not talking to heathens. He's talking to Christians when he says that examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. Don't fool yourself. Do you know it's possible for you to be in the church and fool yourself and think you following God and you not? That's why James said, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. He didn't say deceiving other people. He said deceiving yourselves. Lord, how excited am I about your word? I'm, now, now, this is not a contest where you try to say I read more or I, I, I pick up my Bible more or I pray more. That's not what this is about. What I'm trying to do is get to the seat of your desires and get you to ask a question. How passionate am I really about God? What is my desire producer? That's what my cardia is. Whatever you desire, your heart produced that. Did you know it? Get excited when you think about it. You get addicted to it. Some of you get so addicted that they have to turn a thing on on your phone and it tells you how many hours you've been on social media because it's so addicted. Oh, what would the world be like if we can get that addicted to the word of God? What would the world be like if we could get that addicted to prayer and fasting? 
What would the world be like till we could get that addicted to church service and the worship and the praise and prayer? If we could get that addicted to outreach and evangelism, if we could get that addicted to trying to save the lost, what would the world be like? It can be. Because I remember when I was a, a young, young man, we were ministering to some children after Hurricane Katrina, and we, had a, we started going into this project around the area, and we were there to impact the children, but this little girl, she impacted me. She was going down the hall, and she was singing something. And she was singing, and I guess she got it from school, Brother Bob. I don't know where it was, but I was a young deacon at, her, at, a, at New Birth Missionary Baptist Church, and you know what I have kept hearing her say? If it's to be, it's up to me. <laughs> If it's to be, it's up to me. If it's to be, it's time for the church to stop looking for everybody else to be the change and start looking at themselves and saying, if it's to be, it's up to me. This is God's world. He owns it, but he's made us stewards, which means we have responsibility. What am I doing with the breath he's given me? Because if somebody gives you something, you love them. I got a pen. I don't know if this pen is in my pocket or not. I keep a pen, I think it's back there. It's a pen my brother gave me. It's a really nice, heavy-weighted pen, and I keep it. It's a real fancy, expensive pen. And he said, you, you work in finance. When I first got in finance, you need something for this office to make the office look nice. And he got me and my brother. These pens, I take it with me almost everywhere I go, and I've kept it for years. Why? Because it was given to me by somebody that was special to me. Your life was given to you by somebody who's special to you. How are you treating it? What are you doing with the time that you have? Oh, Jesus. Is this helping somebody today? Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, God. I pray that we love you with all of our fiber of our being and our soul and our mind. I pray that we love you with every intent of our heart, oh, Jesus. Jesus. Mm. He is letting us know, I'm giving you a new commandment. And that's what is right here. He says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, if you don't get a chance in your short lifespan to read all of the Bible, you can sum it up in those two things. Love God with every fiber of your being and love your neighbors the same. If you truly love somebody, you won't allow them to stand in the middle of the road while an 18-wheeler is coming. But there is an 18-wheeler coming towards everybody in the world. It's called death. And if they don't know Jesus, when that 18-wheeler hits, their sentence is final. And if you really love them like you said you loved them, why are you quiet? If you really love them like you said you love them, why do you pass by and say it's none of my business? 
If you really loved them like you said you loved them, why aren't you trying to find a way to reach out to them? One of the stories yesterday that impacted me the most was a, a young lady. She was telling about how Brother Lonnie was there, and Uncle Lonnie had took her to the store. And as he had taken her to the store, I got something today. Thank you. He, he's attentive. I love that he always takes care of me. And, and, as he's come to the store, and they saw a young Muslim lady, and he said, I wonder does she know Jesus? And she said, Brother Lonnie, you can't just do that. She probably doesn't care. She's a Muslim, and she's not, that's not her faith or whatever the case may be. And she said she went to get something, and when she finished and when she came back, Lonnie was over there talking to the Muslim lady, talking to her about Jesus. And by the time that he had finished, she said, I want to know Jesus too, and I'll find a church somewhere where I can find and learn more about Jesus. Why? Because he cared more about her. He learned to love your neighbor as yourself. When you love somebody, you care about what happens to them. Everybody is your neighbor. And Jesus says that all the law and the prophets can be summed up in those two things. And when he says this new commandment, he is not implying that the first commandments were wrong. He is opening our eyes to a higher standard. Everybody say higher standard. And the principle on which the, the standard is built, Jesus is giving a new commandment rooted in grace. And this is our only power principle for today. Everybody read it with me. What does it say? Agape love genuinely expressed is the stamp of authenticity for the believer. Don't tell me you love Jesus and you don't try to reach out to nobody who's not saved. I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me you love Jesus and the summation of your church is just to come sit, have a good service, and go home. And that while you're outside the church, you're not praying for the lost. You're not praying for other people. How do I know that? Because you have to show love. And Jesus gave his stamp of authenticity. Y'all ready for it? He says this, by this all men will know. Now, I'd like to stop at that word, no. I'm, doing a, I'm being a little bit more academic today, but that word is gnosko. And why do we need to know what that means? That's where we get our word knowledge or gnosis from, or the word gnostic from. He's, I like the definition because it, we just read it as know, but in the Greek it means come to know. It come to know, come to recognize. I am taking knowledge. I, I have come now to learn. I've ascertained. I've come, and this is real. Why is it important for us to know that you have come to know? Because it lets you know it's not a one-time event. It's a process that people watch your life consistently, how your behavior is consistently, and as they watch you, they come to know God through you. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, a city that sits on a hill that cannot be hidden. I wonder if they looked at me, would they say, I came to know Jesus because I came to watch Willie Barrett. And I saw him following somebody and I wanted to know what was the change in his life? And it wasn't because he was, he was so perfect. It was because I saw God work in, in him and I saw all of his imperfections. 
but yet there was something in him, no matter how imperfect or rough around the edges he was, that there was something that you could not deny. He loved God with all his heart. No matter how many times he got it wrong, no matter, matter how many times he said it the wrong way and had to come back and apologize, he loved God with all his heart. He was always coming back to one sinner. God is imperfect as I am. I love you. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. Because even though David did his dirt after he did, he would come back and say, create in me a clean heart. Lord, I, all I want to do is please you. All I want to do is bless you. All I want to do is give you praise. I want to live my life to glorify you. Even when I mess up, I don't come back and repent just because I don't want to go to hell. I repent because what hurts me, hurt is what hurts you, hurts me. Don't change for the pastor. Don't change for the church. Change because you want to make God smile. Lord, I want to make you smile. Somebody say, I want to make you smile. I want to make you smile with how I treat my wife. I want to make you smile with how I treat my children. I want to make you smile with how I act with my coworkers. I want to make you smile with how I try to reach the law. When you look at my life, I don't want you grieved at all. I want you to smile. Oh, Jesus. I wish you could feel the burden I feel as I preach this, that God, I want to make you smile. I don't want to waste the life that you've given me. I'm going to an end, and I'm going to an expected end. I cannot stay here forever, but after I leave, if it's nothing else that can be said, say that Willie Berry lived his life to make God smile. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. That he was intentional in him. And God, he was in a fleshly body, which means he made a lot of mistakes. But when I look through all those things and I, I pull back all the layers and all the complications of who Willie Berry was or who David Charles was or, or who Denny Heard is, I look at them or who Rodney Thompson is, I pull back and I can say that they lived their life to make God smile. They lived their life to please him. Hallelujah. Don't stop him. Let him keep praising. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Is there anybody in here that wants to make God smile? Lord, they will come to know that I am your disciple. They won't know the first time they see me with the Bible. They won't see me the first time they see me in church. They may not figure it out. They may not, because here's the thing. I like my daughter Mia. My, my daughter Mia, she's real quiet out in public, but I learned something about Mia. Mia, Mia said, Daddy, people think I don't, I don't talk to people, but she says, she says, I judge people first. I said, what do you mean by that? She says, I sit for weeks and I watch somebody before I talk to them because I sit and I determine are they safe. 
Are they a good person or not? Lamarck's like that too. Lamarck doesn't talk to everybody. Lamarck, he'll smile and he'll be nice, but Lamarck is a watcher of people. And I learned, I love to get Lamarck's insight because he's honest with how he sees things. I know when the Lamarck is not talking, Lamarck is watching. You can't fake around him. He knows. And he's seen it. He's thought about it. And here's the thing, that it's time that we realize as the church that the world is doing the same to us. There's somebody on this live stream that's thinking about coming to this church. They've probably been watching for six months to a year. They're watching to see consistency. They're looking at how you treat your wife. But they're not paying attention this time because they know every day in front of everybody and everybody's looking at them. What they want to see is when nobody's around. They want to catch a good glimpse of what you're really like because they want to see consistency. They will come to know that you are my disciples by the love, the agape <laughs> that you show one for another. Jesus. Somebody said come to know. In the grand scheme of our lives, can we say that people look at us and they see how we live and they could come to know Jesus? Just out of the fruit of our life. I thought I had it up here. Leif was trying to help me and I told him, no, I left it back there. Thank you, brother. Brother Bob. Sorry, Leif. I thought I had something I didn't have. It's, it's way back there. I can't walk to get it now. <laughs> Will they come to know Jesus by watching you? Do you not realize that your life is the message? If you live in an apartment, they watching you. They looking to see can they hear you through the walls and through the floor. And when you invite them to church and you say, I've heard people say this all the time, Pastor, I keep inviting people, but I can't get them to come to church. I wonder why. What have they been looking at? Have I lived such a life? See, when people watch your life and they see God in your life, they want to come anywhere. They'll ask you where you go to church. I sat down at the barbershop the other day. I have a reigning title at my barbershop. I'm the Domino King. <laughs> and everybody sits in there and they were getting ready, and I said, I got to go home. I got some stuff to do. They said, no, stay with us a while. We like it when you come over. I said, well, I got some stuff to do. They said, no, stay. We playing dominoes. I said, you don't want none of that. Y'all don't want to do that to yourself. They said, no, we want to. And, then, and they stopped, and every, everybody's goal was to try to beat Pastor Barry at dominoes. And two of the guys there did not know who I was. And they came there, and they tried their best to beat me. Brad and I even let them get a head start. I waited a whole house before I even started. I was just keeping the board low. And after a while, they said, oh, we got you now. And then I, the next board. I had 65 points. I shut the whole board down. And, uh, <laughs> and I was just playing dominoes, and they were having a good time. And at the end of a conversation, this dude said, yeah, he's a pastor. And the guy said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for what I said to you. I was just talking to Noah, and you ain't saying nothing. I said, no, that's what I want you to do. We were having fun. And he said, you know what? I've never had that much fun with a pastor before. Don't take that the wrong way, but I've never had that much fun with a pastor before. Where's your church? I wasn't playing dominoes to have a good time. 
I was playing dominoes to reach a soul. And if they never come in the building, many of them, I'll go down there and say, we're watching you online. That's fine. <laughs> People are watching. You don't ever have to say a word. But by this, all men will come to know. I'm not getting to the next part. We'll get to that next week. By the love that you show for one another. It sums it up when Paul said it this way. I could hear the passion in the pen. He had somebody write it for him. Oh, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I love him so much that I don't want just the good. I take the bad too. I'll suffer with him. That's God's certificate of authentication. His certificate of authentication is this. By all men will come to know that you belong to me. That's what disciple means. You're my trainee. By the love that you show for one another. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that in your wisdom and your power, you have left us your word. And we get to go through its principles and learn. And we, we get to develop and become more and more like you day by day. Lord, I pray that every heart that hears this message is uplifted and encouraged, that they will try to live a life that makes you smile. Not that we try to get saved by works because we cannot be saved by works, but because we are saved, we just want to make you smile. We love you because you first loved us. May our lives demonstrate that and lead other people to you. May people see the relationships we have with our family and our friends and our coworkers and say, I want that too. And may we not point to ourselves, but may we point to you. An authentic love that is of undisputed origin, that when they see us and the way we love, they say there is no doubt that these men have been with God. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise. As the prayer team comes forward, and it's time to pray. If you know that you'd like to come to this altar and give God a deeper essence of your heart, if you're online and you're still listening, somebody say, I want to make God smile. Hallelujah. That'll make me smile. If you need prayer today, you can come. If, if you don't need somebody to stand with you, you can just come to the altar for yourself as they close out. I'm going to pray a prayer as Brother Dave uh, takes over the service for us, Pastor Dave, and I'm going uh, to let the people online know that today you can make God smile. If you don't know him, you can know him today. If you're not completely and totally submitted to him, you can submit to him today. Simply by submitting your will to God and acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord and the Son of God and believing that he's raised from the dead and, and allowing him to come into your life and to your heart and to change it. You can be saved today. Lord, we give you thanks and praise. Cover these, your people. In Jesus' name, amen.
Brother Dave. 